0: Everyone that good morning, Facebook friends and anyone that's listening today, I am super excited. So over the last year, I've had so many people talk to me like, Shamika, you need to to start speaking online. You need to start an iPod, uh, excuse me, a podcast. You need to do this and do this so your voice can be heard. So today I come to, to you today with um new show in pers- uh, in perspective with two amazing guests, Mr. Donald and Mr. Harold. I don't know Hello. if you want to give your last names or not, but just in case, I'll let and you I guys. Donald Jones, <laughs>
1: Harold Pierce.
0: Um, and these are two of my fellow Republicans. And not only are they just Republicans, they are men of God and which uh, in other terms, they're Christians and they're also veterans so I'm going to give an opportunity for them to introduce themselves. We can start with Mr. Jones over here that was part of the Coast Guard.
2: Um, Hello everyone and good morning to my fellow uh, church members. (laughs) Um, We're all members of the same church and I found that uh, really a a bonding thing Uh, but my name is Donald Jones and uh, I currently reside uh, here in And uh, I'm retired U.S. Coast Guard, 22 years, um, got a history of, uh, with a strong uh, base and moral belief that uh, we are here for each other and uh, that we should support each other. And uh, throughout my whole life, that's what I have been patterning uh, my existence around. And I come today in fellowship uh, just to speak a few words and to share a few thoughts uh, with my comrades, Mr. Harold, <laughs> and
1: uh, Ms. Sheminka. Um <clears throat> Good morning, America. Um, my name is Harold Pierce, and um, I'm also a veteran. Uh, i not so much as the retirement. I did my three and no more and got out <laughs> right away. So uh, I had learned my lesson. <laughs> uh, I ran away to the military and then didn't didn't I found out that over life, um, government or being part of that uh, establishment and in, in that fame was not my calling so I, I got out and in turn i'm still in the same city where i you know exited the military i'm from wilmington north carolina originally and um, a lot of history through the town that i grew up in a lot of segregation a lot of hate and a lot of uh, uh black 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 uh you know, biases, and then came to the realization that life is not just what we see in our growing up environment, but learning over time that there are all kinds of people, all races from all nations and everywhere. And I was stuck right in the middle of Fayetteville, North Carolina, where we are. So (laughs) it's a blessing to uh, call uh, God my my leader and Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and to be among people of like-minded, one accord so that's That's, my story
0: that's awesome thank you all so much for being here um and one of the reasons why i wanted to um have you guys and actually sit down and talk with you because i spoke to you guys individually i was like mr donald you got to meet mr hurl (laughs) and mr hurl you got to meet mr donald because of our perspective uh that we are born again christians and we're now um into politics and um, and we're all veterans. So we decided for this is for the audience. We decided that before, when we start out, we were going to l- look at a book that uh, Mr. Donald introduced us to. This book is called The Warmth of Other Sun. And it is by Elizabeth wilker Wilkinson. Wilkinson. And we decided to type yeah, It's Isabel, <laughs> t-
2: Isabel- <laughs> Wilkinson. Isabel,
0: Elizabeth. Isabel okay. Wilkinson. I do. Thank More you.
2: For about the songs. Yes, we're here for each other. Yes, we are.
0: <laughs> yes, we are. So we're gonna have fun yes. this morning, right? That's right. That's we're gonna right. have we're gonna have some good fun this morning. And the, for those of you guys that are listening, um, the book it but talks about what. How about you give us the introduction of the book?
2: Um, uh, me and Mister Harold was speaking on the uh, the lawn, Mister uh, where we're uh, sitting right now here in the beautiful home of Mister Miner. Uh, we were just talking on the lawn about uh, the book. And uh, the book is a best-selling novel, and it chronologically traces the uh, what is termed the Great Migration. Uh, it chronologically uh, captures the historical uh, migration of over 6 million Blacks from the South, from 1915 through 1970. I was born in 1957, so in an all black town. So we didn't see a lot of, I didn't see a lot of this, the things that was going on in turmoil because of my walk being raised by my grandmother. But that great migration, I was a part of it because I said, uh, what I'm saying now, in 1968-69 my grandmother had gotten too old so uh, she sent us up to illinois one of the states that they speak about in this book that a large percentage percentage of blacks migrated from the south to chicago being one of them as it outlines in the book that uh, about a million in the end migrated to chicago whereas it was about 40,000 there In it initially. So um, the book does a real good job of showing the progression of the march of uh, Blacks moving from the South to a better life, moving out of Jim Crow. Jim Crow went from the 1860s, no, yeah. I'm a little bit, yeah, 1880 through the 1960s. That was Jim Crow, 1880 through 1960. So I was a part of that. Uh, Just being born in 57, Jim Crow was there. The Great Migration established was was through the 1915 through 1970. So a lot of things in that book I was familiar with. And when I was articulating with Mr. Harold, a lot of things, and he concurred. He experienced, right? You know, so you guys, profitable.
0: so you guys were just to be clear that you, bo- you guys were both part of the Jim Crow era,
1: yeah, or, so or experienced it. I was born in I'm um, 68 now. I was born in 1953. Okay, and uh, <clears throat> a lot of my experience with uh, the Great Migration was the other way. We stayed, my family. We stayed. So we, you mean
0: you stayed in the we south? We stayed
1: in the south, but. Okay the majority of people that left, they went, we went North, Philadelphia, New York, uh, New Jersey where most of the people that did leave, you we went, we went North. So I have a lot of relatives. I still to this day may not even know if I see, but I know cousins and aunties and different people left. And that's, uh, where they went. And we will often, the time when we have family reunions or visits, uh, as mentioned, outlined in the book, we will we will see distant cousins and and people at uh, family reunions or at particularly funerals when we when uh, we will meet them at church and um, still to this day. Then after uh, in the seventies, uh, it got even uh, better. Some of the ones that were in the north moved out west. I have uncles now in Oregon. We have uncles in California. My brothers right now in San Diego, so they moved to uh, what they thought or felt like was a better life. So, so we have okay. uh, evolved,
0: and and with that involvement, one of the things that i what that the book talked about is that the with the migration, people wanted uh, a better life because they didn't mm-hmm. want to. And and I love in the book how. The author wrote, she said that it was part of the caste system and oftentimes that we only think about the caste system when it's overseas, like in India and some of these other things, but not understanding that we actually had a caste system in the South, which was uh, the Jim Crow the laws being in place in the black black codes. And so there were different things. And another thing that she mentioned is that um, she noticed a difference in that, the difference in compared to, from those that are, were leaving the South, going to the North, if they were born in the North, uh, they had, um, they were kind of less religious. They had more, they were having more babies out of wedlock. Like, it was, they were very free. And even when, uh, The lady, one of the main characters, Ida Mae, she was already being betrothed at like 15. Like marriage Mm -hmm. was a big part of the South. We had Mm -hmm. big, you know, the family. And you mentioned right before we came on about when you went up there, um, when you actually migrated to the north that they had welfare. So what are some of the difference that you actually saw in culture wise between your cousins and um, and you actually moving from Mississippi to the north?
2: Um, I would like uh, to make a point to piggyback on uh, what Mr. Harold said, that he his family stayed um, to, to elaborate a little bit on my exposure to the South before I moved to the North. Um, I was born in 57 and um, worked and was educated until uh, my fifth grade, uh, sixth grade year. I never went to the store. I went to school. I walked to school with my brothers and my sister. Uh, We would have still been there. And later in years, I found out about the Great Migration, but my grandmother just got too old. So that's why we left. Others left for other reasons. But the reason why I left was my grandmother got too old and we worked. Never wanted for anything, Uh, the community uh, shared meat, they shared vegetables. Uh, they churned their own milk. I remember seeing that when I was growing up, being an actual part of it. Uh, we were self-sufficient in Mount Bayou. If you do a historical uh search on Mount Bayou, you'll find it's got a lot of history. It was protected during the uh, Jim Crow eras because it was founded by two black.
0: Yeah, it's an all-black it was like a it was like an
2: all-black area set aside. So my wall. It's intentional because of where I was born, just like Mr. Harold, my comrade, is also, and we all have our own stories. <clears throat> but during that era, the uh, the part of the Delta that I grew up in, in the city that I grew up in, it was sheltered. None of that mayhem that I later read about, <clears throat> I wasn't exposed to it. Okay. But maybe I was still too young, <laughs> you know, but I couldn't my my, uh, uncles, they never talked things like the negative things about some of the uh, things that were happening in the South during that time, not in this particular town. And uh, when I migrated up to Illinois, I was introduced to my mother, and she was on welfare. And that's when I got exposed to welfare. And it wasn't a good thing, because everybody was just waiting for a check, oh, wow. you know, Uh and I was just in the sixth grade, and I was very smart, because the teachers made sure you got a good education, you know, and I didn't know I was leaving, and, uh but once I got up there, in the first year, got up there, we was on the, in the ghetto, I didn't even know what a ghetto was, <laughs> oh, wow, we moved from, it wasn't the the best of things, you know, Mississippi had this culture in the shacks and the small homes and stuff, but they had tradition and everything. And do uh, a work ethics. And I get up there my first year, I'm expecting in the summer to go out and uh, do some labor to bring in some chips for a house or to work out land, you know, that my grandmother had uh, me and my brothers and my sister had to take care of to grow the vegetables that we grew and we had a a, a, a big plot around the house and we had a, about a, a, a block size uh, acreage up in the small town area that my grandmother had traditionally, as we I was growing up there, break the land and uh, me and the kids, me and my brothers and sisters go in and and, and prepare the land for the planting. So, uh, when my uh, early youth was in that environment. And then, like I said, once I transitioned up to Illinois to realize through my study and understanding what this thing that everybody on the South Side, mostly the kids, had, was on welfare. I learned out learned what it was and it wasn't for me. Love it you. was not for me, so, so it worked.
0: So how for was it sides. different for, between you and your um, your family that was up you know, what was the different cultural differences that you saw between well, the Blacks in the South and the Blacks in the North?
1: Well, the Blacks in the South as uh, the ones that stayed, uh, particularly my, my dad and, and uh, granddad and different ones around. Uh, we all, they all became landowners. Mm-hmm. They all believe in strong work. I don't know what welfare is. I paid for lunches and everything as we went through school. Oh Wow. Though it was 25 cents, only 25 cents, and you had an extra nickel if you want extra milk, but we pay for everything. My dad, you can have some other things that may be wrong in life, but he was a proud worker, taught us how to work. And like, if we wanted anything, we had to work for. Uh, I can tell, I would tell people this story. My first um, encounter with work was I wanted some uh, converts. They call them Chuck Taylors. I wanted some converts. And my daddy uh, looked at me and said, oh, you want some of them high-class high, high class shoes? They were only like $9 or something back <laughs> in the day. But that $9 uh, was a lot of money uh, on, on the, that economic level at the time. So he said, come on. So my daddy, we got into the little pickup truck, and he took me to a store where some white people, the tailors, they own a little uh, supermarket at the end. Not not prejudice, not against anybody, gave everybody credit. We could go get a loaf of bread or milk on Tuesday and then pay on Friday or whenever somebody paid it. I don't know all the different um uh, scenarios where they say uh uh wife were against that and this, that, and other, although we didn't own a lot of things so far as uh, manufacturers or stores, but every gas, Mr. Watson, different places we can go. My dad, we could go get gas to do things on credit to get to the next day not sharecropping not not uh looking for a handout but looking to pay to help me meet to a better day but uh again getting back to after he took me there i, th- I thought he was stopping sometime we would go like on the weekends and get a a a, crux, a knee-high soda or or a candy bar or something was our blessing I thought he was taking taking me in the store, but i want to get me a soda and a pie, or something to go to the store. <laughs> so he goes in and he said, well, Mr. Taylor, he didn't even, my dad hadn't even told my mother yet. Just when I asked him about the shoes, he said, Mr. Taylor, my boy wants some high-class, some high-dollar shoes and I can't afford them. So you got something around here for him to do? I looked at my dad, I'm like, you crazy. I thought I was going to the store <laughs> to like- uh, and that moment, I didn't have to go back home and change clothes. I didn't have to go back home and fill out no application. I went to work 25 cents an hour.
0: Oh, wow. But to,
1: to make this story uh better, I worked there every day for a whole week. They paid me, took out Social Security. I made $7.30. And then when I brought that money home, that's when my dad said, now I'll take you to the store. He gave me the rest of the money to make that $9. So- for a dollar and seventy cents, with my seven, oh, I think that's right. With my seven thirty, I went and bought my first pair of Chuck Taylors. Been working ever since. Oh wow! So you're working, and there's there's value. You got to put value and and purpose, sweat equity, in what you want. Not uh, and then uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's coming up on up to learn further life. In as an adult, we try to make it better for our kids, and uh. I find out some of the mistakes we make, we, we try to give them more than what we had. And I say give, and it still may, it makes most of the young Americans uh, dependent either upon the, the mother or father or uh, dependent upon the government. That's why we have, uh, maybe at a later time, so many uh, young kids, 25 or 30 years old, still home with mom and dad.
0: Now, did you yep. see that same thing in the south, in the north too, that same work ethics, or you saw the welfare system like No,
1: that? so the, the system, they would come home, or whenever uh, somebody had to go visit, that's when most people found out they weren't what we perceived. See, in the south, we thought we, everybody was 16, 15, 16 years old, you get your driving license, or, or by the time you're 21, you may or may not be married, but you... Renting was not an option. Buying, owning. Okay. We didn't. We didn't. Our first option was: what can we buy? What can we do? Where can we go? And, uh, but we found the majority of people in the north were renting, living okay. with somebody else, and they didn't have license. They became dependent upon whatever system and everything was that you don't have license. They would come, didn't even have IDs oh, wow. and no identification or nothing because they didn't need it in the city and then they look at then they try to pin uh, upon us like why you got that why you got to have that you can do whatever you want it's like it's like the two worlds colliding and i kept saying to myself i said no i don't i don't really want that because a lot of time, my, my dad mom we could go anywhere the white black everybody in our whole town, we knew everybody everybody knew who had what kind of car everybody knew who child you was there was you couldn't even spit on the sidewalk. They can tell your boy spit three times and he was downtown. <laughs> they would tell the story. It's like you go back to who and we would we had the audacity if you did, you want to keep your teeth. You would say who's, you couldn't get the words out. It don't matter who told. The thing is, you did something that was disrespectful or thought of to be wrong in everybody, the neighborhood, the community helped raise us. And I thank God for that. I wouldn't go back and change anything because I have a great from memories of different people speaking into my life, of whether I thought I was right or wrong at the time, but it made me a person that respect work, uh, uh, due diligence, and uh, obeying uh, different systems, and and doing what was uh, necessary to be a good human being. And uh, the, the the folks that that did now some did make it, some did uh, succeed, but in the, but in the main part like my brother was saying, they would go and they thought the first thing was to be on the system and then maybe gravitate. We would never run to the system.
0: Okay. So let me back up. Right, I just want to point out major differences because I think we're about to close this segment. Are we good? Okay. So just that, that, that the differences, so we're seeing a, a major migration from the north, from the south to the north because we wanted a better life because it was segregated north. Uh, I mean, excuse me, segregated South. We have the Jim Crow laws in place in the South, but you're saying that even with the, you know, Jim Crow laws, people are, I mean, you got lynching, you got everything else is going on, but there was a culture of respect in the South amongst blacks. Um, We were looking at where your area, where you grew up in in Mississippi, that was actually founded by a black man, uh, black territory. So you, it was a lot more camaraderie there. Um, making sure that the community everybody had what needs were met. It wasn't extravagant but the need, the basic needs were, were met for you. And then you're saying in your area you did it wasn't mixed blend in Wilmington um, although it was still kind of segregated mm-hmm. it was a it was a respect there that you did find some white people that was there that that you guys had a mutual respect for each other but it was mm-hmm. mostly that black community, that was there that said that we were gonna hold everybody accountable and this is the level of respect that you must have that good work ethic. But when you went to the North, it was already a dependence on welfare. It was dependence on system, whether it was transportation or whether it was just housing because they were only written. So the mindset w- was already different from the North and, and the South. So I wonder if that was uh, a plan attack for because it was so many, um, so many people moving to the from the south to the north, was that uh something was it people began to say, oh, this is a way that I can be prosperous. And the I just kind of wonder if that was something, um, how do we get to that point of dependency?
1: Because I think as for me, see, looking back. See, coming up, so that we don't want to sound so smart, like you, you, you knew all this growing up. It came um, over time to realize how God still had you in a place. Like why? I, I used to think, say, why didn't I go? Why can't we go? I know I want to go to California, this that and other, but you know, you think about it, but I don't really want to go. So I would go and do something else. The thing is, most of the people that did leave. Uh, I think as as people, our pride, our pride comes up and they wouldn't come back to what they thought they had left for a better, for a better uh, situation. So uh, who would come back and and let you know at 30 years old, you don't have license or you don't have a car or you don't have anything. So the don't haves outweighs the telling the truth wherein uh, we were happy. We didn't know we were so prosperous. So... Uh, we were so blessed, how you say people, we didn't know we were poor because as my brother was saying, uh, Christmas time, uh, we couldn't have a whole lot of cakes, but my mother would make one cake, she cut it in half and get some, get a pie. Or then from that piece, she cut this or cake or whatever. Everybody could be fed. Uh, uh, everybody knew everybody. I'm, I live in a neighborhood now in, in Fayetteville. I've been in this particular neighborhood, i 14 years. And I might know three or four neighbors where I grew up. Hundreds and maybe thousands. We knew every everybody. Now it's, uh, it's you know it, it's all it's, it's so it's so different. I, I've grown from where everybody knew you, where you can wave and and speak to everybody, know everybody's name, everybody child, every, we're in school and everything together. To I better be quiet. I don't know if I see that person today. Right. I, am I infringing upon their rights? And it's black, white. It doesn't matter who you are. We have become a nation of people of I'll do what best for myself. And that's how we got started.
0: So we're about to I'm going to give the last few minutes to uh, Mr. Donalds if he wants to comment, we're closing up the section. Um, but it's just a great distinction that even though all this segregation and stuff was going on, it was hurting black people, killing black people and all this stuff, it was the black community together that made a, gave you a different outlook. Right. There you
2: go. Yeah. What I wanted to uh, maybe make a brief point about is uh, there was a, 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 a system, we'll say, that was in play as we matured, as we grew up. Uh, like, I grew up in a not male house dominated household, no mother, uh, and our mother wasn't there. We were raised by our grandmother. Mm. So, And we went to school, went to church and worked. That was our existence. Okay. We grew up in a strong community and I look forward to going to the events or going out to my aunt's house. But that was my development. Mm -hmm. And being young, that's when young people, I feel strongly today, that's the most influential years in their life. That's what patterns them. If it's constructed properly. And that's how I was. I didn't know none of those deviations that I experienced and learned later once I moved up north. Mm -hmm. I didn't really get a chance to go out and and socialize with my friends Mm -hmm. who may have had a mother and father in the house. I didn't even know that paradigm.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I was just, my brothers and my sisters was it from the first grade through the fifth. Mm -hmm. And that was regular, and I was fine with it. Because, like Mr. Harrow said, on Christmas we had the feast. (laughs) We worked and we knew where it came from. Mm -hmm. We worked for it. Mm -hmm. And those were some of the benefits. And it teaches you a different value at an early stage if it was taught right with love. So, um, just
0: to wrap this segment up. We learned that it really I, I, what I'm sensing is that the community, the gathering of the community in the south and the work ethics is what really distinguish um, the north from the south. And really the systems that they already had in place with the welfare system, the um, dependency on the government um, in the north is what really was a shocker to you all, both. But you see how um, how independent you became.
1: Yes. Thank you.
0: (laughs) All right. So, so we just concluded talking about the book. So I want to transfer in, but it was, it was one statement in a book that I, what really stood out and it was about she, they were talking about when people were leaving that the grandmothers um, was talking, was praying over them and yeah. talking about um, because they had to take a train. One of the, one of the Uh, one of the people had to get on the Jim Crow train. And and, and. right, the back seats and they would luggage and stuff. And she said, and the grandmother was fearful. They were leaving from the South, going to the North and the grandmother was fearful. But she said, you know, she hugged them and she she prayed over them. She said that, um, may the Lord be with you, go in there with you before you and be the last one to leave out of the cart. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we see in the South, it was very prevalent. Uh, with our our faith in God and in in Christ. So how have you, as as someone that's coming, you guys have was kind of lived through Jim Crow segregation and now you're right here in 2021 with the Christian faith in our black communities. So what have you seen involved and how have your faith impacted your view, even even in politics? So however you guys wanna answer that question.
2: Um, let me uh, uh, say it like this for myself, because uh, it's just a self-reflection, because uh, the maturity set in later on, but I'm just reflecting on the foundation, foundational years. Um, when I was growing up again, uh, my grandmother made sure that we went to church uh, for the whole period of time that I lived in. Mount Bayou, I went to church, participated in every event that was associated with the church. And I didn't rebuke it because that was my foundation. That was my uh, uh, educational period. When I got up north, the foundation that I had established growing up in Mississippi went with me in the north. Okay. From day one, I saw total contradictions to the word and even I wasn't able to go to church because my mother wasn't into it. I had to get myself to church. I think the first time that I actually got into church after leaving in 68, 69, it was when I was in the military. I didn't go to church for that whole uh, five years of uh, four years of high uh, high school, two years of of, uh, junior high school because the climate in the north wasn't about that it was about a different system and different process you see and uh i didn't know it because i thought being a, a male that i would end up being a social icon <laughs> all to the negative okay i wasn't seeing anything progressive when i was up there prior to that of course it was the system that we was working in. So as I got into the Coast Guard, that's when my education really flourished. I was in a process prior to that, and I could articulate from that point forward my maturity. Hmm. And it's always been a self-taught process, if you will, listening to other people and things, because I didn't have anything but myself, God, and this system around me. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And I went to the better part, good. Cause I could have easily gravitated to the negative side. And as a result of that belief in the word that I was taught at a young age, I established at that time that I was going to live the word. Once I got into church, into my adult life, I'd use my base mm. foundation because why did I do that in that area? that I grew up in, there were a lot of people that didn't finish school, Mm. couldn't finish school, they were self taught, they weren't able to read. So I take a natural position on understanding along with an academic standpoint, from my spiritual side, I take a natural God gifted side, I don't want to take it academic, I live what is in the Bible, I do the works that's in the Bible, I don't I, I position myself there because everybody is different right. in their own walk. So,
0: but you saw that difference during
2: those times. It was it was what it was, but it was me as an individual that contributed to society on how I was going to mature and be effective in life, is it? And I can't blame some of the things that was happening. I was born in '57. The Jim Crow era finished in the '60s. You say, I was only three,
1: <laughs>
2: you see. But I remember in the Till, later on in mm-hmm. life, where did they have a lot of the protections when they were going through those trials during mm-hmm. one of the heinousest times in the 60s in our life? Most of them migrated to my body. I found that out later oh, on. Oh, wow. Okay. I found a lot of things out later on. But I'm saying this to say, I'm saying all that to say this. The foundation that a young person would gain, that's why parents and or grandparents should love on their children and try to do the best that they can with them because we don't know how they're going to turn out, you see. But do the best that you can while they have that influence you into influential period in their life. Amen. So I do come from a different uh, perspective of my belief, and uh, I, I thank God for it. But.
1: Thank God for it. So, I just want to make that point. Make it. Oh God, it's funny. In, in in my coming up and growing up, the church was our all. I mean, every every Sunday or every. There, <clears throat> let me say it this way: there was no aspect of life that didn't revolve around the church. Raised Methodist, and uh, everybody was there for the first nine years of my life, and going well in school. The first we went to all black schools knew everything so on sundays we didn't have uh uh all these different kids uh we got basketball practice this, that and another way families be run the soccer this, that and another no we went to church and you just hope to god the thing that you did all week uh the person you may have done it to didn't talk to your mom or dad <laughs> because that was where the, they didn't, my mom, I don't remember went to no PTA meetings and all that stuff. No, we went to church. There was a church meeting and your piano teacher, your music teacher, everybody, whatever, was everybody went to church in all the communities and we didn't think about it. We had no cell phone. Oh uh, we didn't have uh, everybody. If you had a phone, it was a party line. I didn't know about no individual line, <laughs> but if you, whatever you did during the week, if, uh, between our, our community called rock hill castle hane, if they went to church somebody knew somebody that knew something about you and it was going to get told so you didn't have to worry about uh waiting for the news report or or have to go uh listen to uh go to a meeting uh our life revolved around church good bad and indifferent uh all of the part that we learn about life uh uh, since it came from the church, you had to learn uh how to be responsible, how to tell the truth, how to uh respect elders, and uh, and, and and everything else like that. But then we finally look when our cousins like would, would come back down for uh, uh, I got some a lot of stuff stip- would come from New York to visit, tell them about that. What, huh? No, the different <laughs> thing, but we had to say yes, sir. Okay, no, okay, sir. now we start, yes, to see ma'am, the difference. and no, ma'am, he'd come in. He said, boy, you better be quiet. His name is Malcolm. But we're getting that story a little bit later. He, he was just running off, running off. But he thought being here in the South, having to learn respect was cramping his ability uh, as a human being. And that's what we see today. Most of the North or the urban cities, the youth, uh, they're in games, during in different uh, areas where they had no male figure to tell them to corral us back into the right area. First, because at first when Malcolm was saying, yeah, no, yes, and different things, our dad and my, and my mom, we thought he was getting away with it. It's like, why can't we do that? But daddy put him in check pretty quick. <laughs> he he had, had to learn. And she called Henretta, I got your boy. And and uh when uh he, he called home, he wanted to, he wanted to get away, he wanted to go back home. And Henretta said, No, he stayed. Now Malcolm which was raised in New York City, mostly, he lives right in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Okay. He came back from the South. She's so not telling him, he joined the military. He learned the work ethic. He learned what his mom and dad from the South had, had taught him. But my dad and my mother were, we were helping bridge the gap. And, and it's like, now we don't have anybody to wanna to bridge the gap from what I see. Mm-hmm. It may be some families, but in particular, uh, why we, we have the shooting, the killings of black youth of each other in these different cities. Where are the fathers, the mothers? Where is the church? Uh, we can have a minister come in at a funeral and lead a march mm. and say, we are together. Where were you Monday through Friday? Why mm. were you there just on that day? Where is the church? What what part do you really pray? I think my God to being raised, staying and living in the South to realize there is a difference. Not that anybody right or wrong, but let's bridge the gap that America, black, white, or indifferent, come together, and the unity is God. Yeah. The unity is Jesus. The unity is the church. But we got to come back to where the pillar started, and stop saying we have rights to this and rights to that. You, you, which true you do, but if your rights don't start from the Creator and His Son. It's no and void. It's for nothing.
2: You're right. You're right. I'd like to make a point to piggyback on what Mr. Harold was saying. Uh, one of the uh, phrases I grew up with, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, you know, that was my social uh, education and growth. And as I hear Mr. Harold speak, you know, he had a mother and father mm-hmm. that took on the ship in his uh, education and growth. And that's two different point of views in our community, you see. And it shouldn't be like that, but but take a note to it. It needs to have a mother and father in the household. Mm-hmm. And they're deviating so rapidly and it hasn't just started
0: from that. You know, you it's something, one of the points that I wanted to bring out is that um, it seemed as though when people went to the north to escape what was happening in the in the south, some people just really tried to rebel against the right. culture in itself. It so the, the 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 um because of the circumstances, they said, okay, well, they use God in a sense to kind of uh, put us in these these uh, put these codes and stuff owners in the south. So when I go up north. I'm not going to, I'm not going to oh, serve yeah. the same God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to serve God and w- all that ma'am stuff remind me of master. And I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. just thinking, um, like, like how do we get from us being this so Southern sure. culture with the Great migration and going up North to now with all this freedom and just be totally different from yeah. our base. Um, but I wanted to make a make another point, and I guess we'll go ahead and transition transition into my next question. Can I
2: make one one point? Sure. Uh, when I, when you said uh, "ma'am" and "sir," like I mean "ma'am" and things like that, uh, I grew up with respecting my elders. Okay, and then
0: I went into the military to respect my position that I'm working in and support of the country
2: that I'm in. So it was yes, sir. And that humbled me to the point that I'm here to do respectful things. Mm -hmm. So I have to have respectful terminology to be Mm -hmm. able to do good work. If I have negative connotations in my vocabulary, that is what I carry into my maturity. Mm -hmm. So uh, some people may lean against Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. You know, or being, I find it just being respecting of your elders.
0: Yeah, so it's just a mindset. Yes, because yeah. I know, like some people in the north, they they just don't say it, and that's just a part of the culture. And they can tell that we're from the south when we when we start talking with the yes, sir. And it was like, oh, you from the south? Uh, so, but I oh, go ahead. You had a question. Well,
1: that is a, <clears throat> I can show you a contradiction in what my parents were teaching us coming up. Uh, I think I was about maybe uh, 13 years old, 13, maybe 14 at the time. Helping my dad. My dad worked at a textile mill and he also had a side hustle cutting grass. At a, and one of his jobs in particular was at a church. I don't know how he got what we call now white, predominantly white church, which is the white minister and all this. So we would all, always go cut the grass and do whatever. Uh, but then I think my dad was an, uh they were gonna give him extra work to do, which was also genotype, uh, to wipe down the seats and different things inside. So one day uh, we were there, which was on a Saturday, usually Saturday when we did it, I had to go inside. My dad called us inside to show us what he had, uh, the new jobs he had uh, put forth for us. And in telling you about being responsible and being uh, a good steward of yes sir, yes ma'am, and all this, the, the minister was maybe thir- in his thirties. I, I just, to me, he was just this, this old young white guy. I mean, it is this white guy. How did he tell my daddy? Saying yes sir, yes sir, no sir, and all this stuff. And then I couldn't, I couldn't hold it back. I said, "Sir, excuse me, isn't my daddy older than you?" He said, "Yes." How come you don't tell him yes sir, or no sir? My dad told me, "Shut up, shut up." Long story short, he lost a job because, okay. because I spoke up, I was asking him uh, the question and we found out, see that the, the, the contradiction in the root. white people as well as black, we were taught the same things, but being in that class system, somehow okay. this automatic white was better. Okay. You, they don't have to say what to we were taught people. to say. No, you didn't have to say. Then when you we start seeing the difference in that, like I said, fortunate that's when I started getting bitter.
0: Okay. That's when I okay. became
1: anti-white. I didn't, I wasn't always the good Christian that liked the white people. I began to to rebel, like, daddy, how come? And uh, they couldn't always give us good answers. They were just like, sometimes it hit, like it's the kids, people said, it is what it is. I never, I don't like that statement. It is no, it is what it is. This is what people choose to do. Mm. Like if you say, this is the rule, this is the regulation. Mm. Why don't you adhere to it as well as all of us? And that's
0: so your point was that even though we were grew in the South, we grew up yes ma'am and yes, sir, because of the class system, you begin to see that the blacks were being kind of disrespected according to the standard oh. of the mm-hmm. South of yes sir and yes ma'am. And so when you didn't see it, it was like this is wrong. Right. So that's what we start seeing a lot of the mm-hmm. a lot of the young people um
1: fighting. Yeah. A, a lot of the the young, young people rebel against. The class
0: right. system in the South, because of that standard of upbringing, and they wouldn't see it reciprocated by all. Right. Um, um. We're going into our last segment, and before um, we were just finishing up on talking about um, the, the the standard of the South, and as it relates to respect. And Mr. Hurl made a point that he, the way he was brought up was to respect his parents and respect their dad. And, and as he's grown older, that he began to recognize up under the Jim Crow laws in the South that there was a distinct difference. And it began to um, breed some anger mm-hmm. or rage towards white people because of what you were seeing, the abuse that you were seeing between um, blacks and whites
1: or well, whites and blacks yes it, it was uh <clears throat> believing always what your mom and dad taught you uh, and listen at church and, and every in in uh, the main part of our life until i came to a point and may had a, a situation where uh we had to always not had to but i'll just use that as a term now we we were taught uh, people of position, people in, in particular, people of of uh, older, that were older than you, which was just about everybody being a child, you had to say, yes, ma'am, and, and no, ma'am. Yes, sir. and No, sir. Give your earnest attention to what they were saying. Listen. And to one event happened that uh, uh, we were working and because uh, my dad, we had, you know, he had several jobs to always make ends meet. Where we came to a situation where a young white person, which was a minister, uh, was giving my dad some instruction and and uh, trying to show us what else to do, and uh, he was calling him Henry. This that and he was saying thing to me every time he said Henry, I'm 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 like it's, it's hitting my very soul, and I just couldn't take it anymore, and I and I just burst in that conversation. Hey, not aren't you uh, younger than my dad? Yes. How come you didn't tell my, my dad? Why you don't say to my dad? Yes, sir. No, sir. And uh, my dad immediately was getting me to be quiet. The minister turned red, got upset. Of course, we didn't get that job. But mm-hmm. uh, because I, I I became this smart Alec boy, why am I going to question them? And it's like, and I think I was about 14 years old. That's when the anger began to rise up in me because I began then to see the contradiction of, of what we were being taught and what we had adhered to. And and then saw white Americans didn't have to do that because we were just speaking off camera. We didn't know that. I didn't know about no Jim Crow or nothing. We Though we were living in Jim Crow, what was happening is they taught us that as a way of life. And we believed and trusted in it and thought it had to be done by everybody. Mm-hmm. But then when we found out it was a black and a white thing, Oh, uh, okay, that chick what... that sent us off. So you can disrespect my mama, my auntie, my daddy, whatever. Oh, we show y'all some.
0: Okay, so now you see the now right. you see this generation rising up for right. the the civil right. rights movement, right. and and you start. Right. So this is where this is coming from, right? That you're now you're mentally saying, okay, something is wrong with this,
1: or something wrong with this picture. And politically, I, yeah, we got to politically
2: change. Jim Crow is Democrat based. <laughs> so yeah, we move into that,
1: right?
0: So and so we're so we're looking so we're looking um you're coming out of there and you guys you also made a point about with the integration in the school system when we were off camera how that began to affect you uh which only breeded more anger as a young uh, young um teenage
1: right i went from a uh, a young person i was uh, like I say i was making straight a's in school honor roll was was in accelerated class among our schools in in the black community. Uh, I was looking so forward to going to Williston Senior High to don the maroon and Gold, Uh and then they up and changed. Gonna had the audacity to tell us, what, now we're gonna ride this bus? Now we're gonna go to this uh, white school, this New Hanover. We're gonna change school." Uh, and I hadn't been uh, Miss Taylor and different people or. The roses, different people that live around we I live in a predominantly black community. And all of a sudden you're gonna see me every day to this area. I lost it. Uh, a person as a person, there were a couple of three years there, uh, lost the drugs, the, the different things that I, I couldn't stand white people. I mean, I I hated them. I did some things that caused me to even get arrested. But in 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 the long and short of it all, God is still in control. I didn't go so far as to to let my mind wander and, and thinking that I could do totally totally wrong and be justified in it as I see today's society I can do it totally totally see now I can break every every law do whatever I want to do and there's no consequences there again when when they finally picked me up and my and I, I was more afraid of my dad than even the police the judicial system. When my dad came, boy, I get you out of this one. Just last time, but you on your own. He meant what he said. You didn't have to worry about me. <laughs> I'm, done. <laughs> but, I'm done.
0: But, but, to, but to kind of justify—not, and I wouldn't say justify, but explain—is that you're seeing all this um, injustice in a, in a sense uh, between what is happening because this caste system is in place. Um, that you 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 as a young man, you're taught to respect everyone equally. Your your mm-hmm. your your upbringing, you have a very your family, the community, in, in a sense, you know, love respect each other. Even the whites, some mm-hmm. of the whites in your community, you all had a good relationship. But then the bigger picture, you're seeing all this disrespect at one time, and it can call, and you're finding out that it's legally t- can be done, right. and so that causes a um, a lot of a lot of uh, not understanding and causes people to rebel because now you're, you're changing, you're you recognizing that there's a difference between black and white, although this is totally against the way you're raised. The, legally, it says is that they can do this. And then you have a Christian background in a sense, and you like, God has made us all, but then you're starting to be, so now you're moved, you're shifted into a new environment in school. Mm-hmm. You're because of integration, no choice. You know, you just decided that this is what the government decides. This is what's best for you, and then you go there. Um, so you're out of your environment. You're sent, so I can imagine what you saw in school that only kind of uh, uh, encourage your. Dis, um...
1: Because what happens is well, how we see it now, on hindsight, looking back, is what they didn't say like like now, in, the church didn't address it. Okay. My parents didn't know how to clean it up. And we asked a question that were coming too rapidly for them. And just like even today, the church won't address what is really going on with uh with the youth. Uh, because the majority of the fault falls back onto how we should have been or raised up uh the children. What and our our fears, we would ask them questions and then all that respect, like I said, between the 14, from 14 to 16 was learning my own ways. Now 16, 17 was, I'm gonna put it into action.
0: Okay, because so, no guidance.
1: Because now it's no guidance. Well, nah, 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 until you run amok and then you realize there is no correct leadership. How come they come to Wilmington, North Carolina, rile us all up, get us all put in jail. We are just riding and <laughs> throwing bottles and there's no leader in jail. Okay. There's nobody else picked up. All of us in in jail. Like, well, how in the heck did we get here? Right. So when my daddy, like I said, when he told me his discipline, which I know my daddy, he never would tell me something he wasn't going to do. Boy, you get out of this, you're gonna pay for it. I paid my, I paid for my lawyer. I drove a school bus. I paid for my lawyer. I paid for all my defense and everything. When I got done, then I begin to do the study for myself. What? Is just different. So at seventeen years old, I'm looking at the whole picture. Really, back then, like, how do we get here? I said, these people are talking loud and saying nothing. Only thing they come in and do is collect the money in the church. The Southern Leadership Conference had uh, they, all these people coming. Well, y'all to do this, y'all to do that. And I said, who are these people? Don't even know our area. Don't even know anything about our city. I help take up money. They always. I'm a little quiet guy. I was part of the group. We took up money in the church and everything for them, but. In, in the end, in, in the end, they didn't lead it, they were just coming. It's like now we see the political leader. They would show up mm. when a different event or something happened. Then we got okay. we, we, made, we made the news. But where was the leadership on a day-to-day basis? And you can't get me in this, you can't hear me up like this, no more bud.
0: So so now we're here talking about political leadership. So uh, even on my post I put that we're we're all Republicans, right? Um now, now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what was your, were you always a Republican? And if not, um, how did you get to this point about classifying yourself as a Republican or conservative and what is it like in your families? Like, how do you, uh, and, and I know I, I, and I've spoken many times as a, as a Republican in my family, I think, um. Either they just think that I'm, you know, ready to fight all the time, or they just really... I think more so now that they respect my my views on different things. So we don't really get into the political debate. I'll just state my thing in any state but we really... It's kind of fair play between my intermediate play and playing my extended... I don't know um, their opinion, or neither do I care, you know, in a sense. I, but I think it's a mutual respect of love because they love me. Um, but how's yeah. that... In your your how did you get to the point of being a Republican and then how is it um, that you enter what does your family look like um, and that could be extended or immediate.
2: Let me uh, be first here because uh, mine's will be short. Um, <laughs> I uh, grew up Baptist church. I got a chance to uh, uh, be exposed to other uh, faiths when I was in the military and. Uh, I uh, attended a Methodist church in New Orleans because it was a Catholic-based city, so I got a chance to hear the word in a different uh, perspective, and I grew from that. It was totally different from my uh, foundation of uh, Baptists. Now here we go into politics. I grew up in the area that I grew up, we were automatically Democrats.
0: Mm, Now you start to see the welfare, okay.
2: <laughs> okay. And I didn't understand the political side of it. That was one of the political instruments that they put into the black neighborhoods. Mm. Okay. And uh, so the welfare was coming from the democratic side of things. So if you wanted, you wouldn't even talk to, you were not even told anything about the other side of the political spectrum, Independent and or Republican. Now I'm mature. I didn't. I was registered as a Democrat until maybe about six years ago when Donald Trump came into office, was when he was uh, voted into office. I was a Democrat still. And um, but I voted for Trump. Prior to that, I voted Democrat. I didn't follow one second, one alphabet of politics. I didn't know anything about it. I just went the party line until uh, when I recognized that they were doing some things that didn't make any sense. And I'm not trying to uh, to explain all the details of it. My gut feeling, my natural side, which is where I go from the political side, my gut feeling was telling me something was wrong. Mm. And uh, so I started studying. I'm very quiet about my politics, uh, just like I'm quiet about my religious walk. Just like I'm quiet about my professional walk, I am here to do, not what is put in front of me. What my spirit tells me that I should be doing right for the community that I'm serving. And my walk and my, my growth is going to be that barometer, if you will. So now we're on the politics real in closing. So six the last six years I voted Republican. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reasons why, because all that I saw that was happening was like Mr. Harold said, and I didn't notice it before. It only the Democrats came forward when it was voting time or election time, okay. just like this last election. They appeared in these major cities, in these major swing states, the big names, the Democrats to continue to push their democratic plantation mindset. And it's unhealthy for the country because I'm not a Democrat directly, I'm a I'm a humanitarian, I'm a patriot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: First, they're not pro- progressing none of those causes. It's a one party, one directional influence, definitely in this last six years, and it didn't just happen overnight. So I chose to not to speak politics in my family because I'm here in this city and I don't have any direct cousins, uncles here in Fayetteville after I moved from Maryland. And when I moved from Maryland, I came with a different cleansing and I'm gonna try to do the best that I can for this community, okay? Politics happened to come up and I've been voting uh, Republican ever since. And I try to listen to an alternative view and I found, in conclusion, that I'm more conservative than I ever thought I was. Yeah, yeah. But that's my story, and it's an honest uh, projection of myself, and as it relates to politics.
1: Well, mine is, uh, I've been a closet person, conservative, for a lot of years. Uh, I was first registered as a, as in the, when I was in the military as independent. And uh, I always uh, wanted to vote gut, not personality. And uh, but as far back as the uh, 1990s when I decided I'm going to go Republican. Now, you want to see somebody face change when go register being black and you're yeah, right now Republican. Yeah, yeah. I've been facing scrutiny for years and years and years. And yes. I, as for, I'm the oldest of five, uh, saved, and a regular church attendee and that puts me in odds with most of my family. Um, there's nobody I know of flesh and blood that's a conservative or whatever, just always been voting the Democrat. And <clears throat> sometimes we have come to even arguments. And then when we, uh, I try to express myself, I realize always the anger. See, I, I see people not 60 years old the way I was at 17, and mm. it's, it's amazing to mm. me. Now you're angry, mm. now you're upset. What happened to all the other years? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where were you at all the other times? And and it's like, to, to realize, and you know, then I even had to show my kids and show people my car. They said, you been that time? I said, that's how long we had to be quiet. Now I can't, I can't set it up in my bones because mm. people have to know that every, just because you're black, you hadn't always did. yes, I voted for Ronald Reagan. I'm yes. sorry. Uh, Ronald Reagan with my boy, Ronald Reagan. I mean, but. We don't come, have to
0: be sorry now. No, but, it, I, it, but it, it, it's, it's like we had to have to
1: be quiet. It's almost like you say uh, you couldn't say anything. And like, I'll just make mention of a cross. I used to wear a cross younger as uh, I think as anybody be pious and say, well, i show you I got on the cross. Right now, I wear a cross to remind me not to say or do anything. Because each and every day, I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be reflected and heard in heaven mm-hmm. versus trusting in what you say or what you think here on earth. Because now I'm so past, or what you think, <laughs> because the truth is going to weigh out. Yes, I don't right. want to see that's anybody right. go to hell, and you don't want to see anybody vote for something totally against God's words how right. can you be for uh abortion and be a Christian right how can you uh accept same-sex marriages and say well God will bless them how can you be totally against somebody coming across the borders taking your food taking your privilege and taking your spot well they got a right so idiotic conversation that how in the world So I tell you what, I have a thing I I asked my sister one day. I said, okay, Vanessa. That's my sister. I said, "Uh, you go to the store, you buy all your food, you bring it home, you put it in the refrigerator, and you decide to cook a great meal. And if somebody decides, they're walking down the street, oh, it smells good. They come busting through your door, give me a plate or give me some of your food because I'm hungry and it smells good oh i wouldn't have i wouldn't do that i say, well then how can can people come across the board oh
0: that's a good analogy
1: come to america get money take everything wow. from us off the table wow. and they say they deserve it how can you say that but they have a right to it i say vanessa they're not american citizens the right is for american citizens i say sister we are black americans and we haven't gotten all our rights how then we gonna give all those rights to somebody right. because they come across the border? And then the comment we stop and I have to leave because it gets heated because they believe what they believe. They don't they can't see the forest for the for the trees. I hey if I was in a different country and you're gonna give me 450,000 oh, and half I'll, I'll come too. We we need to leave North Carolina and go down and find a way to Mexico and walk back across the line and act like <laughs> and act like you can't speak English. And get your rights. I don't know. No no applause, no C D C. No, no, no. I can't hear. So we can get four (laughs) hundred. So so you can get your money, you can get whatever, because they're not gonna give it to you. You can do you can go through all the processes here. Everything those people that now occupy the White House and the Senate are doing is Jim Crow on Jim no it's 5.0 it, because folks it's the same thing it's the class system it's to uh, keep you in your place It's to make you do as i say not as i do mm-hmm. how can some of these leaders wear a million dollar dress and then tell you how everybody deprived and you so happy because what i can i lose it what 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 is your point
2: can so, so, i make mention about one uh video footage that uh, if you could research it, and it's called Rocky Mountain Heist. It's on Vimeo. And it's, uh, take a look at that full documentary, Rocky Mountain Heist.
0: I just, I, I got that. I, I have to go back and uh, look at it, but I did get it, uh, yeah. so I can I did uh, listen to it yesterday. Are <laughs> uh, you listened to it yesterday? Yeah. I haven't. I was doing some other stuff, but I will get to uh, listen to it. But one of the, the key issues that I think what really turned um, us, I guess, for me, I, I've been a Republican since, since I started voting. I mm-hmm. did go unaffiliated one time, but went back to a Republican. And, and the reason why, as an informed, I think once you really start diving into the information and you're doing it objectively, some of it just doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and so when people begin to that's why it's important for us to really research what are these people talking about? Because my concern is that if we do not start holding everyone accountable, then the way the Democrat Party looks now that it's so easy for the Republican Party to look the same way, because we'll start just relying on what we think instead of what we know. So it's important for all of us to stay informed on what's happening within in those platforms and who's trying to be elected um, and what's going on behind the scenes. Because, and I think that's why the Democrat party has gone so far left so quickly because uh, of uh, pretty much minorities, especially black people that are voting and I, I wanna say 80% range now, it, we did uh, come down a little bit, but um, around 80 90 percent vote just democrat and and so now we don't even that they don't even necessarily compete for our We
1: don't even know yeah. the, and this
2: where the uh the percentages of where the democrats after these various polls where the president and the vice president is at their policies is just killing this nation.
0: and so you i know that you you made a comment about the numbers we were talking about how much money that they have put into um, targeting uh, black people, low income, if you want to elaborate. Yeah, briefly, uh,
2: I was uh, doing research, since I don't try to articulate my views, I just try to steady up, need people that I'm directly uh, connect uh, access to. I just speak, you know, do facts, if you will. And I picked up this one fact that, uh, that in the Democrats, they are very well funded. I've noticed that a long time, I didn't realize how well funded they were. But there's one uh, uh, stat that they found a they always do an umbrella company, they find a company that they will put in place, and then they'll fund them with astronomical dollars. So this one, they got a a front company, and then they got a a company underneath it, this kind of company underneath it, they've put $400 million. And what they're doing is targeting people that don't go out to vote. And that's the black community that, that can't get to the vote. They've, they've circumvented it a little bit because they have that they'll come to church and get in the buses and go take them in bus loads. But this is an even even more ruthless process that they are funding groups that will go out and will spend good money to allow them to Knock on doors and and to get these people to vote Democrat, four hundred million dollars. That's just this year. That was just in this last since Biden kept, got into office. I saw that stat.
0: And I wonder how, how you know they. I know they have a lot of donors, but I just think that somehow they may be tapping it into our tax system or something. Something that they're doing. Um, and 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 we're using
2: mostly uh, our tax dollars or the politicians are right through, oh, here, Right. Here. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, it's the, I found a little note and I got it. Data for progress are targeting low income, non voters, and they got 400 million bucks and the umbrella company center for technology and civil life. Isn't that something?
0: So they probably Ooh. got a technology company that they got that they got a contract from, which is now funded this which is it, which this is, is the,
2: this is the name of which right is
0: there. which is something you know with the republicans that's something that we don't necessarily have the opportunity or I don't they say the opportunity but we Never don't take that, like that because we're always trying to play fair and yeah. and do campaigning um and so you see uh, that we're not able to support financially some of our Campaign those that are campaigning. So we really need to start. Uh, and so, if we have any people out there that are that are um, into business, we may need to look at how can we fund our people, our candidates for these offices, because we know at least four hundred thousand dollars is going I to. Think you make them more of the grassroots. Grassroots. some of these rhinos, they are
2: just they're selling the people down. You got to get a grassroots organization.
0: So with that being said, I think we have about 30 seconds left, um, four minutes left. OK, so we we so okay. we, we really got to start looking at strategies. Though. How do we take the Republican message to the black community or it's, to the minority communities with the funding?
1: It's not. Know,
0: I'm sorry. And I know we do a lot of that with some of the organizations. And right. I don't want to mention my organization up here because I haven't got permission to, to do the. Uh, to do but I I work with several nonprofit organizations that target uh, minorities specifically black and other minorities as well um so what we
1: We as as a people and we call ourselves of God first uh, the ones of you that may be listening that that voted the wrong way first repent come back to the true God in, in the right way and 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 focus on knowing his heart but we as uh well, we republican conservatives or however you want to classify us we got to stop being always on the on the defense and responding mm-hmm. to something they say if we believe in choice of school say it right if we believe in a choice uh, that um, there's only two genders we don't say it and so whatever the consequences are, say it. stop i've had to learn that's why i said it, over 30 years now and the last year or so, being bold enough to say who I am of who I belong to and, and what I believe to say that I'm conservative, I am a Christian I, and I do believe and love God, but I can't let you have your own ways. So we got to come to the point that we stand for what we believe, be diligent about it and and like people get tired of by hand by giving money like in church give money to cuz if you part of something if you believe in something then you yeah. will give monetarily to it. 5 10 15 20 right. whatever it 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 matters but what 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 does hurt us is if we stay on the sideline and be a silent cheerleader that doesn't sound good in the crowd right the silent person which I was coming out of and thank God they did live long enough to, to understand this. And we got to come out and cheer on the people. It's, it isn't amazing. You're only black if you're a Democrat. But then we got lieutenant governors. We got senators. We got the, the media. Nobody said, oh, this is a black man. No, it's that old Trump guy. They're after Trump. They must be a hater. There must. How, how come? Uh, how is it that when somebody can really be firm in your belief, steadfast in your faith and face up to the rhinos face up to evil which is good versus evil that you will call names or whatever and it's called as good we're in the last days uh good is called evil and evil is called good we gotta change our ways and stand on what we believe say what we focus on and be good god-fearing people
0: and I, and you made another point you made a, a good point, and we're closing up because we're under thirty-three seconds. But it, we have to be verbal. We have to articulate our standpoints. We have to give as well. But I, you, I believe that we will find that a lot of the Democrats, especially those that classify themselves as, as Christians, will agree with us. And so I, I'm a firm advocate that if you're on the Democrat side and you call yourself, change your platform. Begin to work and.